Hey everyone, how are you doing today? It's Yuli here, and I'm your host for today's show. And today it's a really great episode. I'm speaking to Josh Bigford. He's the CEO of Bearmint. It's a very metrics company, SaaS company, and they're 100% remote. A few things which you'll learn today in our conversation. You'll learn why Josh thinks it's stupid that all your team has to be physically in one place altogether. You will hear from a metrics company the one metric every SaaS company should look for, but usually most of them overlook it. You'll hear what Josh is looking for in people when hiring for his remote team as well, and you'll hear many, many more. I hope you enjoy. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I thought we could start maybe from you sharing more about yourself, who Josh is, and if you could share more about uh, Bear Metrics. Sure. So um, I'm the founder of Bear Metrics. Bear Metrics is a, a revenue analytics platform. So we help um, primarily subscription companies uh, get insights into their revenue and customers and all that. Bear Metrics is a remote company. Um, I've been working remotely and building remote companies for, I don't know, 15 years. So that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell at this point. So why remote? Why did you choose to build Bear Metrics um, remotely? I don't know. I mean, so I grew up and went to school, went to college in, uh, in Mississippi. So I'm in kind of small town, I guess. Um, so it wasn't like any sort of tech hub of any sort by any stretch. And I don't even know. I mean, like, you know, 20 years ago, I don't know that you would say that tech hubs weren't even necessarily a thing, but I was, but I was also a kid who was super into the internet. And, um, so this was like in the nineties. And so I, I was, I was comfortable since my teenage years, um, with communicating with people and having community with, and just conversing with people remotely. Like that was totally normal to me. So by default, uh... by default, right. I mean, obviously I had, I had plenty of friends around me, but like, I was also had lots of people that I met and, you know, formed relationships with over the internet. So it's like, you know, I would build things with them and like talk about issues and whatever. So when, when I, when I kind of like in college, as I was, you know, going to school, but also just like building stuff on the side and, you know, even just starting, starting businesses, then defaulting to this sort of remote, like, Hey, you know, there's this guy in Russia or, or just across, you know, a different state or whatever, all just kind of happened by default, because that's what I had already been doing, you know, for years. Yeah. Sounds like that's the default because that's where the internet went. Just started easier communicating with people sure. all around the world. So yep. how many people are you right now in Bammetrics in a team? So there's eight of us at the moment. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the benefits of all of you guys being remote and what are some of the challenges which you guys are experiencing since you don't have a physical office? Um, so benefits, I mean, it's just, it's, to me, there's, I mean, the, you know, the whole like work-life balance thing, like because we can all set our own schedules and not have to be in the office at a certain time, I think all of us just enjoy, it's easier to not get burnout and to have interests and hobbies outside of work. So that's to me is like the obvious benefits. I mean, drawbacks, well, and also we can hire from anywhere. So, you know, I happen to be in Birmingham, Alabama, which there are some, there are some great tech companies here, but it's also not this place where anybody would likely want to move to work for Bear Metrics. And there's just not a huge like talent pool here either. So 
it's uh, so we can kind of hire from anywhere and get, you know, really great talent. Downsides are, I mean, you know, there's like communication sort of hassles, but to me, they're not deal breakers. They're just, it's just a different thing that you have to sort of solve. And, the, and that's just, yeah, but uh, different than somebody who's in an office, but you've got a separate set of problems in an office. You know, it's not like there's more True. or less problems. It's just different. Mm-hmm. I agree. And how are you overcoming the communication? Anything you guys are doing to bridge the gap and make it as smooth as possible? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we so we use Slack like a ton of teams do. I'm not, I think it's an improvement over, you know, before it was like instant message and Skype and email and like this sort of just mashing things together to communicate. I think a lot of times people who sort of like bash instant or like chat rooms or anything like that for, for company stuff act like they weren't using some sort of messaging system before that or so. like it just wasn't group chat as much, but it was still like, you're still interrupting people by talking to them. So um, I don't necessarily love the whole like chat thing or think that it solved a bunch of problems for us. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a great answer there. I think the, <laughs> we haven't totally like figured that out, but I don't know that anybody's. I don't think anyone did. Yeah. I don't think anyone did. That's cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, you guys are eight people. And one of the things actually, when I was doing some of the homework about biometrics before the call, for some reason, I mean, I'm not your customer right now. I actually may be a customer myself, but I had a perception because I know biometrics are allowing other customers to publicly put all of their metrics all around the web. I had a perception that you're really much bigger company, like maybe hundreds of people and tens of thousands of customers. I had a perception and- But what I do see is you are running really lean with eight people. So first of all, I just want to acknowledge you. I think that's really great to see someone building up a great company in a lean way. I guess my question is why you chose to run it right now so lean and how are you doing it lean relatively? I know for a SaaS company, you need more people to run technology, development. Um, so I'm curious to hear take on it. So I don't know that we're necessarily choosing to run lean. We're choosing to run profitably. So I think that's the maybe a difference between a lot of companies is, you know, the whole, I mean, so we've, um, we've raised years, a couple of years ago, we raised $800,000 and, and then we've spent all that. So uh, now we, you know, like when you raise money, especially when companies raise, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, they use that to hire far ahead of what they can support financially. Mm-hmm. And so that's why companies, you know, you'll have these huge, uh, or even like a hundred plus people working at a company, even though they might not be making any money because they've got a lot of VC money to, to sort of prop that up. Yeah. So um, I think for us, it's just, we're not necessarily choosing to run lean. Like I would love to have more people on the team. We've certainly got, you know, plenty of work to be done. Um, but it's also, we've chosen to not raise more money. So we kind of have to do what we can with what we've got. Cool. Very cool. And, could you talk to me maybe about some things you're looking for the people you're hiring? Uh, I just know there are some differences still working remotely in office. Are there specific attributes or processes which you're doing when you're trying to hire someone to the team? Yeah. I, uh, so for me, um, someone who, if, if we're going to hire somebody to work remotely, they, they need, there's a couple of things. So they, uh, to me, it's pretty crucial that they have worked remotely before. 
bus experience. Obviously, so, 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 I mean, somebody's, if you're going to work remotely, there's some point where there is a company that that is the first place that you have worked remotely. I don't necessarily want us to be that company. Um, I think, you know, we've hired people who haven't worked remotely before and it didn't work out because maybe they came into it with the incorrect assumptions about what it was like working remotely. Um, and so I don't think everybody's cut out for it. It's not, again, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just people have different needs when it comes to the social interactions they do or don't have. And, you know, you can feel a little isolated. It just depends on your personality. So I want you to have worked somewhere remotely before and you need to be really good at communicating with text. So um, text is one of these things that like, whether you like it or not, there's a tone to, to almost like the way that you type or like the things that you say, or people will project onto your words what they the way that they sort of like hear you saying. Yeah, they think you're maybe writing. angry, yeah, relaxed, right. maybe, maybe emotionally. Totally. And, um, and so I think being a good communicator via text is really important. So some of that um, includes how verbose you are. Like maybe you type way too much. And that, that don't work. That don't work remotely. Because um, nobody's got time to read, you know, a 10-page, you know, rant about something. So you just have to be really good at communicating in these sort of short bursts, um, but also not being coming across as like rude or I don't know. There's just there's like there's a certain skill to that, I think, as well. And the other part of that is or maybe the third thing that I would say I look for a lot are people who have started things before. So maybe you've freelanced, done your own like freelance thing before. Maybe you've started your own company. Maybe you've just built something before. I don't know. But people who are good at starting with a problem and figuring out like not, not just A to B, but like A to Z, like knowing all the steps in between. Um, people who are really good at figuring out all the steps to get to the solution um, is to me is really crucial. In a remote setting, especially because I want to just like give you a thing and you figure it out. So I agree. I, I actually yeah. want to strengthen the text part because I know most communication still is probably going to happen via text. I know in my companies as well, it all happens via text. And even right. in the hiring process, many times I just noticed when someone's going to probably be a good text communicator, just during the, I really noticed in the way someone communicates. And if someone is sure. a bad text communicator, I noticed myself. So I just kind of wanted to strengthen it on my end. Yep. So you've been doing it for 15 years in total, like working remotely. Other some myths for remote work, uh, which you can think out? I mean, I don't know. There's like the common stuff like you work in your pajamas all day. I don't know. I mean, some, I, I don't know that I've ever worked in my pajamas all day, but I think, uh, I don't know if it's a myth as much as I, I think the social stuff or the sort of isolation I mean, can like really affect people. And I think some people, some people will sort of romanticize the idea of getting to work at home and set your own schedule, wake up when you want. Like, to me, that's a myth because like, it doesn't work that way. Like you have to set boundaries around your work and you have to, you have to make extra effort to have community, like people around you that you see. So I, I think, it, it requires a certain additional amount of work to make it work uh, that I think a lot of people don't really realize up front. Is there something you're doing with your team to help them be more social or maybe push them towards this way? Because I agree, definitely 
actively being disciplined about being more social is so important when yeah. you're working from home. So there's a few things that we do for the team. So one, I, it's regular check-ins. We have biweekly one-on-ones where we're talking, you know, I'll have individual meetings with each, each person on the team. And you know, we'll talk about making sure that they're not overworking. And, um, you know, we don't have, we have sort of an anti-culture of, um, of like working late. So I don't want you putting in tons of hours. You need to stop and we can fix this thing tomorrow or whatever. I make sure that people on the team have hobbies, like that they have interests that don't involve coding on bare metrics or designing for bare metrics or whatever on bare metrics. So we also have things like uh, we have a remote stipend. So we give you um, 250 bucks a month that you have to go spend. You spend on whatever you want, but my, my goal is for people to spend that stuff on just fun things to go do. And that's cool. Um, I love it. So things like that, just trying to help encourage people. And we have a, um, what we call like a minimum vacation policy. So we expect you to take at least a month off um, over the course of a year. So, you know, it, we just want people to like get outside of get outside the house. Office. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like really, really beneficial things. So since you've been doing it really long, is there something which if you would start over, do you think you would do differently? Oh, start over, start what over? Uh, start over a remote company right now and go back, let's say five years ago. The metrics, is there something, some things you would change, some things you would do differently? I don't know. I mean, to me, it'd be different if we had started off as a, you know, a company that was all in one place, had an office, and then we tried, like, made the transition to remote. But we're from day one, we're remote. And so, to me, I'm super happy with that. I, I don't know that I would change anything in that regard. Mm-hmm. All right. And... Are you using any tools to help run your business? Are there any favorite tools which you're using? Um, we use so many, so too many <laughs> random tools. Feel um, free to <laughs> so share what's come to mind. What I'm trying to think of ones that I, I just love, though. Yeah, you mean, what, what it, that you love around? Well, ones around remote work specifically. It can be remote. It can be non-remote. Anything like for business, like feel free to. Yeah, use it. Oh. I mean, okay, I got two. So okay. one, this is not remote work related at all. And it and that's, feels good. And that's, that's Intercom. So we're huge. We're kind of obsessed with Intercom. We, that's just our favorite tool across the country. Use it as well. I agree with yeah. this. Uh, second tool, which I feel like does help a lot from a remote standpoint, though it's not necessarily a remote specific tool. It's called Bonusly. And it's basically a way for the team to give each other sort of like high fives and encouragement, but with tangible financial sort of benefits. So um, each person on the team gets, I think it's like 200 credits. We call them whatever you want, but basically credits that they can hand out to other people on the team throughout the month. And then, uh, and then, the t- then you can redeem those credits for uh, actual gift cards or even cash to go spend however you want. So that might be something like, you know, hey, Aaron dealt with this really just rude, belligerent customer and handled it well. So, hey, Aaron, here's 50 credits or whatever. Um, and then the other, and the rest of people on the team can hop on that and add more to that. And like, ultimately she can go and like redeem that stuff for like, like treat herself to dinner or 
um, you know, go buy something from Amazon or whatever. But it's just like way, it's like some of this, there's some social, some positive social interaction that happens from the team being able to like give each other like pats on the back that way. And it's a way to like just recognize each other. So that works really well for, especially in a remote setting where we don't get to like yell across the office, like good job or whatever. So Nice. I love it. I will make sure to check myself and we'll include this uh, to the show notes as well for anyone listening in. Um, Do you think remote work is the future is going to be much bigger part in the future of all companies? Sure. I mean, I I think um, more and more companies have to, I I mean, it's, it's the whole like global economy thing, right? Like there's the idea that everybody has to be in the same city is, is a little antiquated. I mean, there's, I think there are benefits, certainly with certain parts of teams where, hey, it's nice to be in the same place. And in some some scenarios, you can be a lot more efficient with certain things. It just depends on what you're optimizing for at your company. But um, the idea that the entire, like 100% of the company has to be in the same building or same city is silly. So I think most more are realizing the benefits of that. And it's less, it's less that companies think that there aren't benefits and more so they just don't know how to transition that, especially at a large company with say thousands of employees handling that at scale is, I mean, that's a thing like that. That's, that's really painful. And, and it's, you know, it comes, it's a company culture thing too, to make that kind of stuff work. And so I think that'll get there. It'll just take, it'll take a while before it becomes really common, especially at larger companies. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I, did, I do see some companies larger. I know Hops were just one example that comes to mind, hiring remotely. So yeah, it will be really interesting to see how the bigger companies as well go with the current uh, yep. trend. Is there any advice which maybe you can give to all SaaS founders who are listening in and wish to start and grow their own uh, business and company? Uh, like what kind of advice? Really anything. Like right now, any... One want to start a new SaaS business and want to grow it. I know you've done with Bermix five years. You've been doing it for 15 years. Anything you think uh, you can give him, especially for building a remote company? Uh, I mean, I think when it comes, so in the context of remote work, I, yeah. um, I think, I, I mean, the main bit of advice is just choose which way you're going to go. So either go remote or don't, but like don't just sort of randomly do it. I mean, you have to be really intentional about how you do it and the processes you put in place when it comes to hiring. And then I think uh, become a really good communicator and understand that uh, hiring people isn't so much about hiring skills, it's hiring around personality. And there's just, there's a lot more, you're almost like um, when you're the founder, you, you're like part-time founder, part-time like company or team therapist. Um, <laughs> there's just a lot of, there's a lot of psychology that goes into you know, just you're, you're dealing with humans and not just yeah. cogs, right? So you, you've got to... Uh, Those are still understand. people on the other end, yes. Right. And, it, and there's, it, they're a lot more complicated than you would think. <laughs> nice. That's a really good uh, advice. Yeah, it's something I think took me sometimes a few years to get, but it's really people on the other end. You need to take care of them yep. in the same way you would take care of any other person which you have sure. around you. Are there some other things which you guys are doing uh, for your culture to build a good culture across the team? Because, I, I mean, we don't see each other. I know it's one of those things which go from my head. Are there some things you're helping me with the culture right now in your team in Uh So I think culture stems 
or maintaining. So, okay. So I think culture comes, uh, it's something that I, as the founder put into motion and sort of establish a baseline on a lot of things. But I think a lot of that is rooted in hiring. So the kinds of people that you hire and the things that you really try to focus on when you're hiring, that's sort of the root of a lot of the culture stuff. So it's, it's hard to change culture when, you, when it's already been put into motion as early as when someone starts their job there, right? So like if you hire for somebody who ends up being a bad culture fit, they're, they're, that's their personality. It's not that it's the wrong personality. It's just not necessarily the right one for your company. And it's a really hard thing to change, but it comes from the founder and the, and the especially the early employees to helping kind of solidify, like, here's how we talk to each other. Here's how we talk to customers. Here are the things that we think are important. And I think saying those things um, is really important. Uh, you know, so we have, we, we try to have, or we have at least one annual meetup where we fly the whole team into, one place. And, um, you know, we talk about company culture stuff and we discuss it and have a conversation and that stuff gets, we try to drive that stuff home as much as possible. Nice. Nice. So it sounds like you're continuing to just remind everyone and partially the people you hire, that makes sense yeah. completely. So you're a metrics company. I mean, you mm-hmm. gather lots of metrics for other people. So I guess you have more information than any other maybe regular person. Other specific metrics which you think are more important than others that maybe people should kind of take a look at or look at more often? Um, I think the ones that are probably the most important one that I think people know is the most important, but it's the easiest one for them to ignore is, uh, is churn. So basically people leaving, You're like stopping, you know, canceling the, their, the product. Yeah, so, churn rate is a percentage of customers who leave every month right. of the company, just to clarify for anyone. Yeah, yeah. So... so the thing is, is it's a really hard number to affect, to change, because it's, it's, the, it's the sum of a thousand different things. It's not True. one specific, oh, you've got some sort of technical issue, so people are canceling, fix a technical issue, and your churn magically improves. It's, it is, it's all the tiny little interactions or the subtle things, the subliminal things that they're just little interactions with the products. All these things add up. And call and basically result in your churn rate. And you can think of churn as you know a hole in a bucket, and you're trying to fill the bucket up with water. And you know the the larger your churn rate is, the the bigger the hole is, and the faster the water goes out. Right. So what happens is people will have this kind of high churn rate, and either one they think they can outpace it with growth. So hey, or they will be outpacing it with growth early on. And so it's like okay, we've got. 20% 20% churn, but we're like, our growth rate's huge. And so like, it's fine. But very quickly, your growth will start plateauing and the churn rate will stay the same. And you'll eventually the churn will outpace your growth. And it's one of the reasons it's so hard is again, not only is it hard to affect, but it takes a long time. It's sort of a lagging indicator. It could be, it could be your churn rate could be basically the result of something that happened three months ago, or it's three months worth of interactions that have caused somebody to churn. So it's a, it's a metric that requires a ton of effort just working to improve it as much as possible because, you know, every time you're able to reduce churn, it's that much easier to grow. It just requires that much less on the new customer side to, to grow. And it ultimately means it's a lot cheaper to grow too. Mm. And are there any things which you can think of 
which you have done in your company to this churn. I know it's very realistic. And as I said, sometimes it's very, very tough to measure exactly because it's a combination of so many metrics. But other yeah. things which you think or know you've done and like, hey, this really helped me or us reduce our churn. So for us, it's whenever we've had spent a lot of time talking to customers um, and we try to make it a pretty common thing just ongoing every day, week, month, but talking to customers about the product itself and how making sure that we're still solving problems for them. I think showing um, product improvement, it's a big deal for us, it's, at least it has been. So, you know, when we're showing, Hey, we're, we're constantly trying to make bare metrics more valuable to you that reduces churn, you know, fixing bugs, you know, especially when it comes to something like numbers for us, like metrics are this thing that a lot of people think is like a really exact, but really there's a lot of edge cases. And so the more we're able to sort of address the quality of the numbers and the data, that's a big thing. But a lot of it's just making sure that people continue to get value. And you have to, the way that you've sort of nailed that down is to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Talk to your customers. I love it. So we are getting closer towards the end of the show. I thought we can wrap it up with a few kind of fun personal questions. Are you up for it? Okay, go for it. Uh, So what's a fun or exciting thing you've done the last one to two weeks? Um, What is a fun... Mm. I think, man, went to... (laughs) A couple weeks ago, it was my kids' spring break from school, and we went to... City called New Orleans. That's a couple hours from here, and it was fun. I don't know, man. I'm, a, I'm like a, I'm a boring dad. No, that sounds awesome. Like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what's What's the first thing you do when you start your workday? Um, it's usually try to. So okay, so we have um, a lot of our team is actually uh, anywhere from one to like six hours ahead of me, um, just based on time zones. So a lot of it's me making sure, like hopping on and answering any questions anybody has and making sure that they're not blocked by something that I need to unblock for them. Mm. And what are the three things you will always leave your house with besides your phone and laptop? Um, I try to carry as little as possible. So I, um, it's all, man, I, I carry almost nothing. Um, nothing works as well, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I've got like, so like my wallet is basically just, like a little leather sleeve that I stuff a few cards in. So like that's even really minimal. I used to carry like a field notes, like a small little notebook for writing notes and stuff, but I, I don't even carry that anymore. I almost nothing. <laughs> All right. So Josh, where can people find you online? And if someone listening, they think biometrics can be a great solution. I know it's an amazing solution for many companies. Where should we find you or go learn more about biometrics? So Bearmetrics, you can go to bearmetrics.com, uh, email me, you can do josh at bearmetrics.com or find me on Twitter, too active there at Spigford, S-H-P-I-G-F-O-R-D. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much for taking the time and thank you very much for coming to the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Small quest before you leave. So if you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate to receive a five-star review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app that can really help and we'll also would love to hear any feedback that you have anything else you want us to ask anyone coming to the show anything you want to change improve add or something you like really any feedback we really, really appreciate it have a great day